0: That's com. Bijou
1: Podcasts. This is episode 47 of the Stacey June Show. My guest today is my friend and energy healer, Michael Trembath. Welcome to another episode where I sit down with someone that I'm inspired by, that I have questions for, and that I, in particular, want you to learn something from. Michael is this very person. He was the first person on my show ever, and I find him to be one of the greatest conversationalists with some really great... Complex stuff, which essentially can jam pack you with information to improve your mood, improve your day, and therefore, obviously, improve your life. He changed the game for me with his work. I'll give you a bit of an idea of what he does in a second, um, but I just wanted to touch base and say hello and give you a bit of a, a shout out if you're if you're brand new to the show and you haven't listened to it before. Hi, I I come back to the show probably about three times a week with different episodes. Today, on a Thursday, generally, is a chat with somebody that I feel like we can all take away some tools from. Uh, On Sunday, I share a little bit more of my personal week and go into some details about the lessons that I've learned about ideas and thoughts and feelings that I'm processing and and how I feel like we can better identify them within ourselves and sit with them comfortably as opposed to moving past them really quickly. Uh, I was pretty honest on Sundays actually that I felt really numb and weird. Often I probably have a bit of a positive spin towards the end of a self-centered Sunday podcast, which I mean, maybe you got in some way, Uh, but I am yet to hear from the positive side of that. It was a little bit, not dark, I guess it was quite honest in sitting in the middle of something, which I think is very hard for us to do, let alone articulate a lot of the time. So go back and listen to that if you missed it. Um, But yeah, I do that on a Sunday. And then on Tuesdays, I've got a single Pringle episode that drops, which is different ideas, different dating conversations, different relationship conversations about how we can get more comfortable living a a solo life and flourishing by ourselves, whether you're a single person trying to find your way through the world uh, on your own after a break, up or being single and solo for a long time, or potentially you're trying to find some independence in a relationship. Uh, so that drops on a Tuesday. And this week I did an oracle reading, which was really different, and I hope you liked it. Next week we've got another guest joining us um, on some on some specific dating information. So it'll, we'll mix it up every week. But Michael, let's get back to my friend Michael. I first saw Michael, uh, goodness me, probably about a year and a half ago now, had absolutely no idea what to expect. And you can go back and listen to the first episode of this very podcast where he, he is able to articulate a little bit more about what he does because he does a lot. He has a lot of different training. He is a therapist first and foremost. Um and has done so much different work with different uh, functions and different types of therapy over the years. But in particular, we want to talk about the work that he does under, I guess, an umbrella treatment of Samvahan, which is an ancient Indian modality. And he's essentially the face of that. Um, He works and teaches that practice and that modality across the world. Um, and, And it is essentially, or hes I think he's called the living master, which is pretty amazing. He definitely doesn't see himself as that, or at least he sees himself very much as the student as he does the teacher, which is why I love him. And that's why I love our conversations too, because they could go on forever and ever and ever about uh, just trying to find communication and, and practical language for us to really break down some stuff that seems complex, but actually if we we really listen and you listen to this podcast with your, your ears really open and you take some time, there's some tools and, and tricks that he gives in this episode that have changed my life that could potentially help you. So essentially vibration uh, is the work and and I guess the focus of Michael's work um, and he works in vibrations and energy in a session with you, but also is completely trained in understanding how that works when associated with different feelings, uh, different emotions, different traumas, different physical um, aspects of our body, all the different types of things that take us to different therapies, he works through the those types of symptoms with an energetic vibrational understanding and how to essentially channel that through our body. Let it move through us. Let our natural flow get back into a bit of a rhythm. It sounds complex, but it's really quite simple when we start to understand that uh, we are all essentially energy and and we don't really need to go into too much detail with that. We move, and we're meant to move. We're meant to have things work through us. Things are supposed to be moving and and flowing through us at all the time, all the time. But when we we stop and and really hang on to things because we feel like if we don't hang on to it or we don't feel it, uh, we may feel it less, if that makes sense, or we may be able to hide it away, or we may be able to avoid it, that essentially it grows into mass energy. And sometimes then that's where we fall into issues, whether it's physical or illness. So today we speak a lot about that in the most simplest form that we can. We talk about emotions and how they end up being masses of energy and how we can, instead of processing them mentally and hanging on to them, how we can learn to physically let them go. And a lot of you might relate to this with going to the gym or moving your body, but there are ways that we can also work through anxiety or work through, you know, when you're stuck and feeling like you're unhappy in a job or relationship or you're going through grief you've got kind of this sore back. How are ways for us to activate this kind of understanding of energy movement in our body to improve our day, improve our moods and essentially help us get through life without having to figure everything out. And that's what Michael helped me do with my anxiety, that it wasn't all such a mental process, that there were ways that I could unleash and untap stuck energy in my body that didn't need me to then go into seven years of therapy to work it out. I did a lot of therapy and I think I still stand by that that's really important. But there comes a point where you also have blocked parts in your body that I don't know if therapy is going to actually move them. So we, we talk about that. We talk about different examples of things that happen in our lives and and this is this is so relatable whether it is that you're grieving a partner relationship a loved one whether it is that you're feeling stuck and you can't you can't kind of move whether you feel like there is an issue that you don't know how to let go or you really are an anxiety sufferer and that you think and overthink everything. He explains what's actually going on in the body. He explains to us what's happening physically in our body and in our energy that makes us essentially hang on to things that we would be better would be better off if we let go. It's complex, but it's so simple at the same time. I hope you enjoy it. There's so many different things that he is able to help kind of clear, whether it's stress, insomnia, digestion, fatigue, depression, even our menstrual um, symptoms and different PMS issues. There's so much stuff that this could all relate to. So I hope that you're able to listen to it and kind of have a bit of a think about if you're honest with yourself, what you feel like isn't moving through your body and, and potentially take away some tools that, that help get that process moving. At the really beginning point, Michael is such an incredible teacher and such an incredible practitioner. He works out of Sydney but then does lots of different courses across the country and the world. So you can check out more information at samvahan.com forward slash Michael Trembath and all the other links to his new Facebook page that he's put up. He does regular videos of how, you know, thinking about when what we can do when we feel lonely, what we can do when we are going through grief, all those kinds of things on his Facebook page. So I'll put all of those links uh, in the show notes if you want to find out more information from my dear friend, Michael. Um, you're going to love this chat. We bounce off each other like old buddies and we love trying to find ways to give you access to your own body, give you access to understanding simple ways for you to move through emotion and I hope that you get out of this as much as I did because every time I sit down with him I have the most epic um, openings and awakenings and just, just this sense of a little bit more clarity in a pretty complex sometimes foggy world. Enjoy. Michael Trembath. It is such a delight to have you back in my space.
2: Thank you, Stacey. I'm so happy to be here. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Me too, me too, me too. Um, So today we want to touch on, and I feel like now, and I will continue to get you on the show, I feel like there's such a connected joint conversation that we have Mm. that isn't so much of me interviewing you, but more that we love these conversations Absolutely, and yeah. I do feel like you're a bit of the teacher I'm a bit of the student and th- and somehow we get these I guess juiciness out of sure. explaining the reality of what's going on within our bodies and also hopefully everyone listening and if you haven't listened to the first episode please go back I'll put it in show notes but everybody gets a bit of a better understanding of how they can best utilize their own energy and their own I guess stress sensors or signals, as opposed yeah. to then moving forward and freaking.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's what I think I got when I first came in to see you—a real practical guide of how I could better channel my own energy uh, by myself.
2: Yeah, you absolutely. know, away
1: from our sessions as well.
2: Sure. Well, I, one of the the passions that we share around that is the practicality of it because totally. when when I was kind of on my journey and trying to figure out how to heal and to get better 30, 35 years ago um, it was all in my head it yeah. was all I read books and I was seeing a really good therapist and we were talking about it and all those things helped a little bit but but they're not they're not kind of day to day what do I do in the trenches I'm suddenly full of anxiety or I'm suddenly like overwhelmed with depression or I'm feeling this terrible emotion and what do I do now yeah. right this second now yeah. and so my approach not only i mean as as i went through my healing process but now when i'm working with people yes there's the theory and this kind of the long term healing that takes place and the resolution of the big issues but it's also like what do i do at work when something happens mm-hmm. what do i do when i'm sitting at dinner with somebody and something gets triggered or i'm upset or I'm I'm having dinner with my family or I'm thinking about having dinner with my family and something comes up, what at that moment, and that's the practical stuff, Mm. and I think that that's what makes the real difference is is when you can manage yourself in a really practical way through Mm. the intense moments, then the long-term stuff is kind of more palatable.
1: And I think if you're a patient client, whatever you want to call it, when you go in to see people like yourself or other practitioners or therapists or healers mm. to have a mentality that you're in the picture too, that you can proactively take on tools or ask questions or be just as, mu- as much in the driver's seat as you are in that, as the healer or the practitioner is in that hour or that session time you're with them because Often a lot of this stuff, and I think this comes back to this kind of GP sitting on a hierarchy situation where we really take our hands off the wheel and say, okay, I'm going in for therapy or I'm going in for a session with you, I'll have this hour, and then the rest of the week or the month is kind of gone until you come back. So I think we also need to start realising that um, alternative therapies are so incredible and are just completely enriched when you start to also get curious about how you can activate things you learn within yourself. Of
2: course, it's the only way to get better. Healing is something we do internally, Mm. and no one fixes anyone else. If Mm. any fixing goes on, it's just our own internal process. And, you know, if you're with somebody who's good at what they do, then they can help you fix your Mm. problem, but no one one delivers it Mm. to you. It doesn't matter how good they are, whether they're doing energy work or psychology or body work or even medical interventions – it's your body, mm. your mind, your heart, your soul that's doing the repairs, and that has to be the focus. In fact, if you're not engaged, if you're not taking responsibility, you're slowing down the process. Totally. You know, if you say, oh, well, this may take three or four years, well, maybe if you really step into it and say, all right, this is mine, these are my emotions, this is my body, these are my muscles, this is my brain, these are my thoughts. I have to do the work. I have yeah. to do something about it. Yeah. And look,
1: and so we both give you permission if you need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. you need to give it to yourself. But yeah. I understand that it's hard. You know, it's not as simple as I think. Sometimes when we get into this space or we move into it, it is easier to say, oh, "I'm t- I'm ticking a box. I made an appointment with a kinesiologist, or I made an appointment with an energy healer, yeah. and uh, I'll see them again next month." You know. Yeah. But I think this is really a great point to start this episode on is that the work that I've learned with you has only been as powerful as it can be because of, A, I think how you teach, to be honest. I've never walked out of a session feeling so equipped uh, that I do when I'm with you. Um, but also my confidence or backing in my own abilities in Correct. that, yeah. that really can transform, this, the, the I guess, the situation or the experience. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the goal. I mean, yeah. uh, someone who teaches, and I see myself as much as a, a teacher, as a, as a therapist, mm. is that if I'm teaching and all I'm doing is spouting off what I know, so what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the value of that? Or, you know, if somebody wants me just to wave my hands over them or to hold their feet or do something and, and, and things magically get better, and probably less than one out of a hundred would come in expecting that. Mm. But occasionally people do that can help, mm. but it's just so much slower. And who's got the time and the patience when life is running by to think, oh, I'm just going to let somebody else do it for me.
1: It's also quite expensive and temporary. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: if you're, oh, if you've thing. got the money every second day to go in and, and do the work, yeah. I mean, but that's what you see, exactly. don't you? You see people, the richest of people with all the different people that live in their home and have their personal this and personal that and And they're as fucked up as everyone else, if not more.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, my practice has been in the eastern suburbs of Sydney now for 25 years. Um, So, you know, it's one of the most affluent neighborhoods Mm. in all of Australia and probably in all of the world. (laughs) Um, And there's no lack of unhappiness there's no lack Mm. of dissatisfaction because Mm. you know and and the people i treat would be able to tell you this thousands and thousands of times it doesn't matter how much money is in the bank or how many properties you own or what view you have from Mm. your house if there's something going on in your heart there's something going on in your mind or there's something going on with your kids or there's something going on in your relationship you know money is irrelevant in that circumstance money just makes it easier to find therapists and go on holidays yeah Mm.
1: So today, as I said, we're going to work through how emotions work in different stuck and overwhelmed situations. I've got Mm. a couple of scenarios that I want to get to uh, that I think could relate to a lot of you listening. But before we get to that, let's do a baseline of, I guess, an understanding of how our emotions stack up to our reality. Okay. So when we feel something so deeply, how much of it is real? And how much of it is make-believe?
2: Okay, good, good question. So I would start with this. Whatever you feel is an actual feeling. Mm -hmm. So the feelings that arise just rise spontaneously. We don't get to control them. We don't get to choose them. They just come up. Mm -hmm. You don't decide, I want to feel angry, or I'm going to feel jealous, or I'm going to feel alone. Mm -hmm. They just arise. Those are natural things, like the weather. They just drop in. They they show up for whatever reason, and they are almost never logical. So we have to differentiate between real and logical. Mm. So what you feel is an absolutely true feeling.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Whether or not it's based in reality or not, that's a whole other question. So for the most part, what happens is that something gets triggered inside of us. So uh, something happens, we're driving in traffic, and somebody cuts us off, or they're driving too slowly, or whatever it is, something silly. And we feel all this anger or frustration rising up. So that's a natural response. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that, that anger that's in there is kind of piling on top of a whole pool of other emotions that are already stirring around in the emotional center of the body, in the, in the emotional field. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it just being, I'm mad because I won't get home as early or I'm mad because I think that person was driving like a jerk, it's I'm mad because I don't get what I want. I won't be able to make dinner as well, or I won't be able to make it to the meeting, or I won't be able to get whatever. So it gets on the I don't get. And that then becomes a story that we play out emotionally that has nothing to do with the actual event that triggered it. Mm. So
1: so the emotion is real, but then where it lands... Correct. may not be
2: this is exactly the point so when we're looking at emotions we want to say okay so that's what I'm feeling mm-hmm. I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling helpless or I'm feeling lonely whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. that's genuine mm-hmm. it's a feeling it's mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. the question is are we going to jump into the whole merry-go-round of possibilities for what that emotion Means, and mm-hmm. what takes it into kind of fantasy or non-reality is when we have a particular feeling and it launches us off into some old story that we have. You mm. know, so for example, the story might be something like, um, "I don't ever get a fair shake," or "I'm always the victim," mm. or "I never make enough money," or um, "No one's ever going to love me," or "I'm too tall to get a decent date," or whatever. Whatever the story mm-hmm. is, <laughs> and. The story is sometimes based on experience and also sometimes based on kind of illogical things that mm-hmm. happen to us when we're really, really young, you mm-hmm. know, from the age of one to about seven. We're, mm-hmm. we're not logically formed in our brains.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we feel a trigger. We feel a loneliness or we feel an abandonment. And instead of it just passing through us like a wave, like a wave in the ocean just rolls by, mm-hmm. doesn't do any damage, it just passes by, it creates this this in us of, oh, lonely, lonely. I know that, oh, yeah, lonely. That's because no one is ever going to love me because I'm too tall, too short, too fat, too Mm -hmm. skinny, too blonde, too red, too whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And we get into the story that has actually nothing to do with just being lonely in this moment because uh, somebody couldn't make a dinner date or um, you just noticed that uh, there's... there's, um, Uh, a couple of hours that suddenly opened up and you don't have anybody to call Mm -hmm. that's genuine just feeling okay i'm a bit lonely yeah but that's not a part of the story and the story is where we take it into fantasy or i would even say take it into tragedy
1: yeah right
2: and that is what takes us out of the reality of the emotional wave going through us and into pain right so the story takes us into our minds where there's all kinds of judgment and i don't like feeling angry or I don't like feeling lonely or it's not fair that I feel helpless because um, I, I, I felt helpless all my life and, it, uh-huh. and, and my brothers didn't let me feel strong and my parents never acknowledged me, blah, blah. And, of course, that, had, that, that whole story, while it is a story of your past, has nothing to do with the emotion that you just felt.
1: So when those things are happening, for example going on okay i've got i've got this saturday night free and i can't find anyone to do anything right right what's happening with those examples you used or this one particular energy wise in our body
2: okay all right so um, let's think about emotions like currents Mm -hmm. so there's kind of a pulse Mm -hmm. and uh the pulse that we feel is usually somewhere around our chest so typically it's at the bottom of the heart mm-hmm. or the top of the heart or some people feel it in the throat and there's mm-hmm. kind of this this welling or swelling where this it's it's like a pressure mm-hmm. and we recognize those pressures we've felt a lot of so um, we might have felt a lot of loneliness or we might have felt a lot of sadness or we might have felt a lot of joy or mm-hmm. euphoria and we feel that like if you go to a rock concert and you kind of feel oh there's anticipation i'm excited it's gonna be so fun we're gonna dance it's a, it's the it's the same swelling yeah with a different quality
1: yeah As, it's interesting because someone did say to me once yeah, sometimes when you feel like you've got anxiety switch it to excitement and see how similar if not the same the feeling is it's just the label you put on it that's different
2: that's exactly i thought right. that was
1: fascinating because yeah. you because anxiety doesn't feel great that's the first thing you go to thinking it may be because you're scared of feeling it correct and then that's the
2: interpretation of the swelling right oh my god there's right. swelling Ah, oh, that's anxiety is this going to wreck my night you right. know right. instead of i'm feeling swelling hmm there's swelling what's that feel like oh that's excitement
1: right yeah okay yeah so and by twisting or not even twisting but by reshifting that yeah. uh, understanding of what that is yeah. Was is a game changer for me. I only read it, this article like four months ago.
2: <laughs> well, I once I once read um, that the difference between fear and excitement is how much you're breathing.
1: Right. So, so simple. So big transformation. You, you, you
2: feel the swelling. You feel that pressure, top of the heart, bottom of the heart, or in the throat pressure, take some breaths and see if that doesn't evolve into something that's actually delightful mm. instead of something that's horrible. And
1: how fascinating to think we are that close to being able to shift that. Or so. It's a
2: membrane. Easy. It's so small. Yeah. It,
1: it, easy in the physical, I guess, breath work, but I understand that there's a truckload of I guess thoughts or fears in the way. So sure. it, I don't mean that's to say right. that it's yeah. not sim- it, that it's simple.
2: The consciousness to do it—that's not easy. Yeah. The process once you catch it is childishly simple. But yeah. it
1: is actually quite incredible to have that knowledge because if you do work at that, then something's going to connect, you right. know, and click into place that could potentially change your life. Right. So with this knowledge, so the pulse—the pulse begins you've decided essentially what the label is or what um i forget the word that you used for what the experience is is it or you know
2: so there's a, there's a quality to quality, the swelling quality, so yeah. that the, the the quality goes there and let's let's go with what you're talking about earlier with somebody who is suddenly feeling lonely but mm-hmm. right? they they thought they had some plans on saturday night uh, something happens, gets canceled, mm-hmm. or whatever, they have to stay home for some reason or something yeah. comes up at work. So they don't, they don't get to do what, they're, what they had anticipated, and there is this intensity that arises. And almost everybody I talk to knows, when I, even when I was treating a little boy yesterday, and I talked about the intensity in his chest, and he said, yeah, 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 he was seven. He completely <laughs> understood what that was, so most of us know what that is. And the swelling's there, and then it, we kind of instantly look for the things we most fear. Okay. Is that the loneliness I hate on Saturday nights? And as soon as we begin walking down that path, then we're in what I don't want.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: don't want to experience that. And we hang around with that until it grows and grows and grows. And as I say, once we once we begin the the mental mind interpretation of a swelling that's just a simple swelling, we're, we're headed toward the pain body, and then the stories get going, you know. Right. Um, this reminds me of the time when that boyfriend wouldn't take me on Friday night, and that was the end of this, or this reminds me of the time I didn't get a date on this. Whatever it is. I don't
1: have plans next week, so that will be two weekends with that's, no plans. <laughs> absolutely, and,
2: and then this the story, and, and, and you know, gosh, I'm 27, or I'm 31, or I'm 44, and, you know, how much more time am I going to have before I have a relationship? Bah, 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 Off it goes, and all that was happening was a swelling of loneliness. So if we were to contrast that, for example, instead of going there and being able to sit and say, ouch, okay, there's a swelling. It feels a little bit like loneliness. What if I just sit with my presence and have awareness of that loneliness and let it be there and let it move? Because emotions like all currents and like all vibrations and emotions have a very, very fluid quality like water or oil. Mm They have to move. Mm-hmm. If we contain them, if we suppress them, if we hold them, they kind of bubble and boil and fester and rot and become uh, kind of a swampy, you know, fetid mess.
1: Disease essentially. Absolutely. So that
2: that yeah. can be disease, and it can just be this horrible feeling of discomfort, kind mm-hmm. of an almost a nausea from what comes up. Mm-hmm. Or we can contain it or hold it there, and when the pressure gets big enough, that creates anxiety. It's all mm-hmm. this pressure in your chest, and it's like. <gasps> I'm really worried and it's just started with a swelling that was i'm feeling a little lonely Mm. so that there is i want to just say there's, there's this possibility there of saying okay i'm feeling loneliness all right i have loneliness i feel it in my chest what if it moves through me rather than me holding it in my chest rather than me taking it into my story my fantasy my history i'm just going to let this roll through me like a wave in the ocean it's just going to Like it's going to pass down my body like water and roll out through me where most of the things exit in our bodies out through our feet. So we release gravity through our feet. We release stress through our feet. We release anxiety through our feet. And that emotional wave is just going to come through, and I'm going to notice it. Mm. So can I give a little example of that? Sure. All right. So I'm a therapist, Mm -hmm. and yesterday I was treating this boy that I mentioned, this this Mm -hmm. seven-year-old boy. And I really have a soft spot for kids because, you know, when you – you see a kid who's suffering. You know, it 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 uh, it goes right to the core of me. Mm. And I had a pretty uh, traumatic uh, childhood myself. Mm-hmm. And this particular little boy had several issues that were similar to mine. Like <sighs> he wanted to do everything right. He was really sweet. He was trying really really hard, and he wasn't able to make things better in the family. So, and he was feeling uh, helpless and lost and a growing anxiety, and. You know, over the course of the hour that I worked with him, I think he got some really, really good tools, and his mom was sitting in there, so I kind of said, Mom, you know, practice this with him, and here's mm-hmm. some ideas that he can work with. So he left. It was all fine, and I feel really, really nice because I love it when a kid walks in feeling a bit, one, scared because I'm a new mm-hmm. guy, and two, lost, like I don't know what to do with these emotions, and they walk out with some really ready tools. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, I'm kind of hanging around, and I'm going to notice that I'm feeling. A bit heartbroken. Mm. And it kind of took me like an hour to say, I'm just, I'm just not myself. I don't feel my regular kind of spark. And I realized I'm just really sad. I'm really, really sad. I'm sad that children in our world, and then specifically that me and my youth, we have to go through these tough things where you feel crap. And I really felt the pain of that,
0: Mm.
2: but I just sat in it i just sat there and said okay so i'm feeling heartbroken and instead of that taking me into the trauma and the whole issue and mm-hmm. my brother did this and my mom did this and my dad did that and nobody was there and this is which is you know a journey i used to do all the time i just <laughs> and a sat, journey you've taken yeah, yeah 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 absolutely i just i just sat with okay i'm a bit sad i'm sad that that's the way things are and it rolled through and about an hour later Everything was completely fine. So there was this presence to the emotion, kind of a welcoming of it. Oh, there's that emotion again. It's a little bit like, I mean, like if you think of... uh, if you've got a bit of indigestion, you feel some mm-hmm. pressure in your in your in your esophagus or something, you think, "Oh, I just need to burp, and I'll be mm-hmm. fine." Mm-hmm. That pressure's there, that pressure's there, and then, boom, it comes out, and mm-hmm. it's like, "Oh, that's so much better." Yeah, you know. Yeah. Or it- if you're nauseous and you need to vomit, it's the same kind of thing. Getting it moving and getting it out just requires you paying attention to it, and so, then it softens.
1: So, just to paint a picture, you didn't sit there for an hour just attending to it. Did you make a decision to attend to it and then have another appointment? Because like, I think a lot of people think that, well, I, uh, that's so inconvenient. I don't have an hour to just sit there and think that I'm heartbroken Absolutely. or sad.
2: No, Logistically, this happened to be my last appointment of the day. Okay. Um, but... It it, it wasn't a matter of stopping everything else that I did. I Mm -hmm. still had to cook dinner. I still had to take care of my daughter. There was all the normal things that I had to do. I had Mm -hmm. to do some garden work last night before it got too dark. Um, So all those things were taking place while I held Mm -hmm. an awareness that there's an undercurrent or maybe a really strong current, a bubble in me. It's like kind of a balloon letting the air out. So there's a pressure in me that feels like that sadness for children and children that suffer. Mm -hmm. And that, that... as I just held the awareness of it, the balloon just slowly emptied out. So it doesn't have to be debilitating. Yeah, It doesn't have to stop anything at all. There's mm. just that, that awareness that I don't have to hide from it. Mm. I don't have to go into my story around it, into the fantasies of what it all might mm. mean. Because I would still be in it if, I'd, if mm. I'd done that. And I wouldn't be able to perform what I need to do today very mm. well. So it's... Allowing it to be there without it stopping what's going on.
0: Mm.
2: And if I would say one other thing about that, one of the most important things about recognizing emotions, whether it's sadness or anger or uh, that kind of that, that really poignant heartache or, or the sense of abandonment or the sense of betrayal, any of those kinds of intense things, the sense of separation or mm-hmm. loss, is noticing this is an intense swelling, mm that I'm feeling, but it's part of who I am. Mm. It's not all of who I am. And the moment we can say, Mm. this swelling is going through me, but it's not me. Mm. There's a sadness, or there's a, a sense of abandonment or a sense of loneliness moving through me, but I also have blood flow and I also have a liver and I also have some fun in my life sometimes and I also have other emotions, like even if I'm aware of the sadness, I might find that I'm humored or that I'm entertained or that I feel love for my dog or any of those other kind of emotions that create a broader perspective and the understanding that whatever that swelling is, the pressure in the chest, or throat, whatever it is as strong as it is it's not all that there is
1: why do we want to become everything (laughs) so because when you said it like that it's like it's so true you feel sad and now naturally most of us will then want to become sad people yeah really quickly and maybe in a couple days you shake it off if you haven't done some of the practices you've just suggested when you start a new job and you're feeling really great at it, you become your job. Yeah. When you first maybe find someone, you become in a relationship. We and And these things really very quickly seem to stick and we're very happy and comfortable to be defined by external things like this. And, I mean, external isn't really – it doesn't really connect as much to – Uh, an emotion that it does to a job as such but there's the same quality there right absolutely
2: absolutely and so this is one of the typical things in our culture is that we identify with all kinds of things that are not who we are so we might identify with a role you know I'm a mom or I'm a CEO or I'm a marketer or I'm in the radio business and that becomes our identity. And that's actually got nothing to do with who we are inside and what makes us up. Or we identify with I'm poor or I'm rich mm. or I'm mm. woman or I'm man. Mm. And all those things are, are simple kind of superficial aspects to who we are. And then with that kind of outward identification, we also then say those things I feel, that's
0: who I who am. I am. Yeah.
2: Or even even more damaging, those things that I think mm. that's who I am. So if mm. I'm thinking that I'm worthless, or I'm thinking that I'm ugly, mm. or if I'm thinking um, any number of thoughts, mm. fantasies, like you know I'm brilliant, mm. or I'm a superstar <laughs> singer, and I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna Einstein, w- yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. win the next X Factor, whatever those thoughts it can are, go that
1: way too. Yeah, yeah, it can
2: be just as delusional. Mm. And those thoughts and emotions are also not who we are. So the question is. Where do we find actually who we are? Mm. And that is this, this kind of constant current that's running through us. And, of course, when we go into meditation, that's what we're connecting with, is that thing that it's beyond the emotions, it's beyond the roles that we might be in. Because, mm. as you know, mm. every role changes. You know, sometimes uh, you can be an interviewer, then you can be an interviewee, then you can mm. be a student, then you can be a teacher, then you can be a lover, then you can be mm. uh, a shopper, then you can be a seller, you know, <laughs> the, the roles just switch around all the time. So the roles are not who we are. They're just little hats we put on. Mm. It's like a jumper that we change 20 times a day. Mm-mm. So identification with those is dangerous because they change. Identify, mm. ident- identification with emotions because they're currents, they're like mm. the weather.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, it's like someone in Germany or England saying, I'm rainy. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just. It's,
1: <laughs> or when you get a bit of a cold. I've got chronic, it's out, I'm, I've got chronic fatigue, I've got yeah. pneumonia. Yeah. It just jumps.
2: Straight there. Instead of noticing this is one of the things happening in the current of my life, in mm. the current of who I am, and having this perspective that lots of things can be going on. You know, we're broad currents. We're not, mm. we're not little laser hair-like streams with these broad beautiful currents where lots of things can happen and there may be a stream of sadness and there may be a stream of anger and there may also be a stream of enthusiasm Mm. and there might be a a stream of oneness or stream of connection that are also in the river and so the question is if I go into the, the big stream of who I am, the broad river of who I am, then I can begin to look at other things that I am that are beyond my emotions or my thoughts or my roles.
1: And I think, I mean, episode the first chat that we had is really uh, beneficial to go back and listen to mm. the talk about mm. meditation and, and how you can access getting in the driver's seat of these decisions. Because I think a lot of the time we think our thoughts are the first thing that happens. And, and as you've explained, emotions will come up. But then the action that we take after that is within our control uh, control is the right word maybe within our power correct to navigate which way we're going to go and both of us would be would say that the f- the first place for you to get that steering wheel or to be able to have that flow with that experience is from meditation of yeah. being able to begin there at the absolute least and start to have a little bit of an understanding of these types of elements of things that are going on and how your thoughts are not what you are. And, and the untethered soul I'll put it in show notes is Mm. also a great way, a great manual to really get your head around I guess something that we're really confused about as a society. Yeah, I,
2: I agree, and so is Eckhart Tolle's book, *A New Earth*. Yeah. It's also a terrific one uh, for kind of a starting a starting place.
1: And it's and give that a go because I think sometimes his suggestions are so simple that so many people resist.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, we live in resistance, right? I mean, we'd all be enlightened and just walking around in utter bliss all the time, <laughs> except for our resistance. Mm-hmm. And that, this is what's so critical about emotions, um, that when we sense that surge, when we sense that pulse that might arise in the chest or the throat,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it scares us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? There's a sense of, is this something that's going to be like a bad experience I had before? Is this going to be like the fear i had as a child is this going to be like the loneliest i had i had as an ad- adolescent or is this going to be like the anger i experienced um, when i was left mm. and the, the fear creates this huge resistance to just being with what's there mm. so we start to categorize it and we either typically Overindulge in it, like you say. Oh my God! Now I'm sad. Here we go. Mm. <laughs> Guess what, girls? Uh, weekends off from me. Just bring Doritos over and movies and we I'm
1: crap. And just that's feel that's right. Like shit. Uh, bring the ice cream.
2: I'm sad. That's the way it's going to be. Um, or we have this resistance that says, "No way! I'm not going to feel sad." Or what's more typical in our culture? Mm. I won't be an angry person. I'm not going to be an angry person. I'm just going to lock it up tight. I am not angry mm-hmm. and and we like close all those doors and hold it inside so what's happening with the intensity of that swelling anger which is kind of like a lava running around in us, is it's like burning holes in us mm. you know so we've got these things that either make us overindulge or shut it down entirely instead of just saying let me just let me see what it is and if we can see what it is rather than resisting it so we don't want to put stories on it mm-hmm. take it into fantasy and we don't want to resist what it is. What it is is what it is. So often, I can't tell you how many times when somebody comes in and they're lying on the table and they're, they're feeling whatever the emotion is, they say, is this normal? Mm. Said, of course it's normal. Mm. Their emotions, they just come. We don't get to choose them. Even someone who is outrageously angry or outrageously lonely that's a normal emotion. Every baby born experiences the full range of human emotions before they're one year old. And anybody who's spent time with babies know they get completely angry and cry. They get completely frustrated and cry. They get completely happy and laugh. They get completely um, uh, tired and cry. They experience the full range of our whole capacity. So, of course, it's normal that we feel it. What's not normal or I want to say it's actually quite common, but unhealthy is to put a story with it or to try to either make it bigger mm-hmm. to fit a story or we try to eliminate it or hide it or pretend. And the minute we're not putting a story on it or hiding it, then it's in motion.
0: Mm-hmm. Then it's
2: free to move. And then we become this bigger space. And a lot of people have that experience, You know, even if they're not meditators, you know, living in this beautiful country, um, if they go up to the Blue Mountains or they go down to the beach or I spend a lot of time in the outback mm. you know you go into the desert and you suddenly feel I'm just I'm just a little part of this whole big mechanism mm. and all my thoughts are so minuscule compared to this beautiful nature mm. so you know to to spend a bit of time even just going to a park and sitting in the grass or going into your garden and looking at the flowers nature is a great reminder that we're just a part of it and the, the emotions and the thoughts and all those stories they're just a teeny tiny little slice of what our reality could be so nature is a great reminder and meditation is a way i would say to train our awareness or our focus so that when these
0: mm.
2: pressures come up we have the ability to say ah that's emotional pressure.
1: And the space, yeah. That's right. Yeah.
2: Let me, let me see if I want to mm. do something. Now, um, it's yeah, because a very, you don't, you don't yeah. come
1: to an intersection and then just drive straight through without stopping to see whether you go right or this left. This is
2: precisely, that's a great analogy. You don't, analogy, don't just,
1: just yeah. crash straight into yeah. oncoming traffic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you stop to think, okay, when's the right time to go? Do I want to go right or left?
2: Yeah. And use, using that analogy, Stacey, it's like the intersection's coming up and most of us have a stoplight, mm. all right? Some, we, we, it's not a, it doesn't go from green Everything's going fine to red mm. There's this little indicator There's mm. this yellow indicator The amber light comes on It's like, oh, I'm feeling something I'm feeling something Do I slow down and observe it Or am I going to race <laughs> through this in my normal way And when I race through Like if I'm going to try and make this light Usually we're just bolting into some kind of standard behavior That mm. we've done since we're two or three or five or seven years old Instead of saying, let me just slow down And see what the most healthy or most pleasant or the path that will serve me best will take me to. Mm. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. But if you take that idea, don't race through the lights. Mm. If you're getting that little amber indicator, oh, there's some pressure, slow down. Yeah. Look both ways. Make a choice rather than just racing.
1: Yeah, it's a giveaway. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a stop or a st- either, as well. Yeah. It's interesting because I think one thing I've really thought about over the last couple of months when I've started doing some coaching is mm-hmm. to try to really encourage the understanding of the power in the simple. Yeah. Because I think so much of transformation or the smallest and I don't want to use the word small so I guess the slightest um, shift in the way you approach this particular pulse or feeling or potentially conflict with someone else where you pause or you learn how to breathe a little bit better Mm. there's really quite slight shifts you can make in your life that can change your life absolutely and I think for my generation, I don't know if this is across the board, but everyone doesn't believe it. And I think I think everyone's reading the memes, wanting to do the work. We're in a different place where people are a little bit more aware that they're going to have to pull their finger out somehow. It's not just going to work out yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And because things are complex. And when you want to work through anxiety, you want to work through social media, you want to work through – you know, these weird relationships that we're finding ourselves in now with technology, people are aware that it's not just going to just kind of fall into place after school and you get a job and then you marry the end. That's right. But I think everyone's looking for a much more complicated solution. And I don't know why we're taught to Almost to not believe the simplicity.
2: Yeah, I, I, I do think it's a part of our educational system, and, and you know our minds love complexity, right? And. And teachers love complexity. And, you know, you can find complexity in anything. You know, if you study the body, you know, the physiology of the body can be fantastically complex. If you study psychology, you know, and all the different patterns that can take place can be terribly complex. Or if you study, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, uh, working with computers, if you, if you study traffic patterns, they, they can be complex. And the mind enjoys it. There, there's there's high entertainment Value, mm. You know, when I go to the movies mm. now, I'm often going to the movies with my child and sort are of kind of think, seeing things like the Avengers and, and big adventure things. I find it way too complex. It's between the music and all the stuff going on the screen. It's too complex for my mind <laughs> to enjoy. But it's because people enjoy the complexity of it. But the it's solutions. Yeah. yeah.
1: And sorry to interrupt. But I yeah, think please. even when I was thinking about coaching, the things I had to share was so they felt very simple to me. So I questioned for a long time whether I would even share them.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I
1: had to learn myself before yeah. I could even share that this this simplicity will unleash things in you. And yeah, it's interesting. I think I, I think I just want to add that because even I have been there with the full knowledge of what the benefits are of this. And these you still doubt steps. it. The yeah. mind is still saying, nah,
2: too simple. That's yeah. too simple. Too 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 childlike." There's yeah. got there's got to be more to it. No than one that. can
1: pay you for that, or well, no one can. No. This is not value here. This right. is just something. This is something that's just innate. We should yeah. all know this,
2: and and we all don't. <laughs> I, I, what I would Turns say is, out. we probably all have an intuitive. Um, leaning toward understanding that but our minds enjoy the complexity and they also enjoy the control Mm. the sense that the mind gets full of stuff and it gets to control the story Mm. gives us the sense of well I won't be in so much fear I won't be in so much emotion if my mind is running the show Mm. and that's not at all the case because the mind sticks with the complexity and something simple is presented and says ah rubbish that'll never work (laughs) Don't even try it. Don't even try it. Meditation, just, just, just sitting and, and breathing. <laughs> ah, Forget it. That'll never help. But if, if we do try the simple things, and like I say, what I present to children is almost, maybe using slightly different vocabulary, the exact same thing, yeah. I pre- present to CEOs and solicitors when they come in, or if I'm doing a corporate presentation all i do is kind of change the analogies instead mm. of talking about i don't know iron man as i might mm. with a little kid i'm talking about cash flow mm. if i'm in a corporate environment but but the truths are unbelievably simple and So it's it's this idea that if we were, for example, a really, really simple truth is if we look at emotions like a current, if they're like water, they have to move. I know I can't hold them. I can't contain them. Mm -hmm. They have to flow. They've got waves. They've got patterns. They've got ripples. So let me let them flow out. And I have so many people who have suffered with anxiety, for example, or depression Mm. for years and Mm. years and years. And they'll come in and say, I don't don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so I do this really simple process and say, okay, let's just pretend that there's a bladder in your chest. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the bladder down in our belly that holds the urine. What if there's an emotional bladder in your chest? Mm -hmm. And the emotional bladder... As things happen in life, starts to fill up, and it mm-hmm. starts to fill up, and it starts to fill up, and it starts to fill up. And what happens if your physical bladder filled up? You just say, oh, excuse me, I've got to run down the loo. But when the emotional bladder fills up, we don't know what to do with it. But if we can have the idea that the emotional bladder fills, then we have this really simple concept. What do we do? We have to empty it out. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean shouting or crying or wallowing in it. But if we think of that, what the structure of the body is and how the body carries currents through it, all these currents exit through the feet. So if we relax the bladder in our chest, so instead of running from it or putting a story on it, we relax the bladder in our chest and let it run downward and out as if there's drains in the feet. Imagine that your feet are the urethra that mm. lets the emotional out, mm. then we actually can, and, and, and literally in moments, people who have been anxious their whole lives can say, oh my god, I can feel
0: a which change in the which, pressure. Which
1: was me. And I think the other um, tip that you said was to kind of look at my ankles like taps. Yeah. So I, I turned them on and then would just feel emotion rush through me because as an anxious person or as a person that's has, has issues with anxiety, it, it, has, it was... It had built up crazily. Um, The interesting thing I wanted to also interject about the bladder analogy is just to give examples of what it's like if you do resist it or do resist letting go of it, it will come out in panic attacks. It will come out in anger bursts. It will come out in, I don't know, seclusion or, you know, you kind of lock yourself away, whatever, social anxiety, whatever is your I guess, symptom of that. That's right. That's the example, I suppose, or the practical example of what can happen if it isn't released. And it's really interesting because those symptoms can be so life-altering and so damaging to our day-to-day sure. world.
2: It makes it hard to be in relationship yeah. or feel competent at work. You yeah. feel
1: crap about yourself if you're yelling at someone you yeah. care about. You know, I've been there and all because I haven't really known how to let that run through
2: me. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you know, even thinking about relationships, you know, that so, so everybody who's in a relationship knows that, you know, your most loved one triggers all kinds of stuff. And mm-hmm. you, so you feel these little swellings in your chest or in your throat all the time when you're talking. And we tend to just leap into defensiveness mm. or leap into pain. But you said, and that's just like the time you didn't. And, I la-, and off we go. Mm. Instead of saying, all right, we need to have a really important talk. I feel a lot of pressure. I'm feeling hurt. Let's both drain the emotional bladder first, Mm. okay? So let's just take 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever Mm. it takes to just (laughs) kind of take a couple of breaths. And I'm going to unload. It's like relaxing my chest, relaxing Mm. my throat, maybe like you say, opening the valves Mm. at the feet or the Mm -hmm. ankles. Or sometimes there's like a tap... Mm. at the bottom of the heart you can just almost mm-hmm. unscrew that valve or it's like a beer tap just lift the tap up and tss, mine's pretty that.
1: mine's pretty tight my heart one
2: yeah <laughs> my,
1: my feet are were it, an easier thing but people will have you will if you think of that analogy and pay attention to it you'll find it easier to turn the tap on for different parts of you it's it's real yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. you will know where you're more stuck than other points exactly. so it'll start talking back to you it's not just a childhood imagination game that you've just yeah. played. There's a reason.
2: This, this is exactly what you were talking about earlier in, in the conversation about the energy blocks or mm. where energy gets stuck. Mm. If emotion is energy and we have something that's caused a constriction at the heart or constriction at the pelvis or the pelvic floor or in the feet or uh, in the throat... Those emotions aren't moving through there; they just mm. build up and build up, just like a bladder getting full, and that just causes all the symptoms you're talking about, including mental looping. Mm. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? It's always like this for me. Blah blah blah. The mind goes around and round and round. And the minute those taps open up, it's like it doesn't matter what the thoughts were; mm. they're moving out. They've gone absolutely. Yeah. And so that's so simple; it seems ridiculous, but in you know, literally tens of thousands of cases, I watch people say, "Oh my god!" Yeah. I feel different. It's just that...
1: And you didn't have to figure anything out to let it go.
2: Precisely. In fact, the (laughs) figuring it out... We think
1: that we need to figure it
2: out. That slows it down. Yeah. So the emotions start flowing, and there's this little bit of movement, like, oh, something's softer in my heart. I don't feel the pressure in my throat quite as much. I wonder why that's happening. I wonder if that's because... And the moment we're there, it's like we put the plug back in, and it's not flowing. So it's just like if we can stay with it's flowing... I'm letting it flow, and that's what I was doing last night with, yeah. with, the, with the kind of the sadness and the heartbreak. It's just flowing, and it's flowing, and it's flowing. And I don't have to interpret it. I don't have to go into my mind about mm. it. I don't have to go to my history about it. It's just flowing, and then it's an empty bladder.
0: Mm.
2: And when that bladder is empty in the chest and in the throat, it just feels like, okay, now I, I can not only function better, but the pressure drops out of the mental mind, mm. and all that looping stops. It's like I just suddenly have all this spaciousness, mm. So my thinking is clear thinking. So if I'm wanting to engage with my partner in a discussion, yes, I still may be angry. But it's not coming with all that volume behind it. There's not a tsunami behind the anger. It's just the poignancy. And
1: also to step into that, it also gives you the space to really figure out who you are. And, I, and yeah. it is a, it's an interesting, I guess, byline or easy connection to such a very big topic or something that feels often very overwhelming of who am I really and what is my intuition and 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 what is my purpose and where do I pull from my core and what's my truth yeah it's really quite easy to access when you move the space you know you create that space for yourself again I use the word easy loosely but but I, I to the fixers out there like myself that have grown up in that role and identifying is that this was a game changer for me because I'd I'd thought my role to get to that place was to figure it out, mm-hmm. and I know so many of you can relate to this Absolutely. that you believe that the way to that space is this mental conversation or this this kind of working bee of your own life and mm-hmm. and look it took its journey for me I did so much you know self-development and research for me to get to the place to realize that it's not that i didn't need any of it but that it's actually there for other purposes it wasn't just there for me to figure it out because the key is to not be figuring it out and it is a really interesting process once you start to 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 give yourself that space of then how much things come to you instead of you continuing to try and find them yeah and so it changes your life.
2: Yeah, that the, the, the spaciousness within you is where you are. Mm. Absolutely, so you get to know
1: yourself. It's That's like right. this whole other introduction to you. Yeah. The other thing I think that I wanted to also put into that um, that real kind of detailed example you just gave was that I think for many of us when we get to sometimes if you've been through trauma or there's really strong triggers or really quick thoughts or reactions uh, from for whatever reason you find yourself there, I know a lot of you may be thinking, but how do you in that time stop and say, okay, we need to let the bladder go or how do I make that that pause happen? And again, you're going to have to go back and listen to episode one because that's a really great uh, kind of explanation of, the benefits of meditation and and that meditation gave me somewhere and you don't know where it pops up just one day it does from a a daily practice for me that as you said there's different ways to meditate it might be nature or some other form of connection to something bigger than you but for me all of a sudden I found myself with the ability to not Jump so quick, or maybe those emotions didn't jump in as quickly as they had in the past. That's right. And I had the ability to have a bit more space. Correct. So, for those of you listening that were kind of like, but how do I, I don't know how to put pause, you know, that's, I've got so much that comes up.
2: And I I work a huge amount with people who've been traumatized, either a little or a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone from refugees to veterans uh, to people who have suffered trauma in their childhood and so forth, the trauma in their relationships. Mm. And those things do happen spontaneously, and they happen so quickly that there isn 't a pause at all that 's part of what trauma is but if my my rule of thumb is is if you don 't know what to do, you have to become present because mm-hmm. what trauma does and what all these emotional and, and mental stories do is they take us out of the present and somewhere else so we have to if, if you don 't know what else to do, say, "How do I get present and I can mm-hmm. tell you there is one way to get present, and that is to get grounded in your body, right where you are. And so if you don't know what else to do and that you're feeling either a traumatic response or an emotional response, and it's like, I can't remember what Stacy said and I can't remember what I read Mm. in that book and Mm -mm. this feels too intense and this is horrible, find your body. Your body is connected to the earth in a vibrational and fluid way. And when you can feel, and when I say find your body, I mean, literally, can I feel my knee? Mm. Can I feel my sit bones? If you're sitting in a chair, move your bum back and forth and feel your seat in the chair. Move your feet on the floor. Can mm. I feel my feet? Put your presence in your body that gives you a connection to the physical earth. Or if it's possible to stand on the earth or feel mm-hmm. the earth, that's great. But Take you your
1: know, shoes off in winter, you, yeah. You know
2: it's underneath you somewhere. Yeah connect with your body, which connects you to the earth, and that gives you presence. Presence without groundedness is impossible. And in that space where you connect with your body, the trauma, the stories, and the emotion, that's your gap. Mm. That creates the possibility of saying there's more to me than this because I'm also aware that I've got a leg bone, that Mm. I've got a breast bone, Mm. that I've got a shoulder bone. Mm. You don't have to know anatomy. You know you've got bones and Mm. muscles and blood and skin in there. Mm. Find it, and the presence that that brings is the space creator for being able to take every conscious step that we ever take.
1: And almost kind of automatically slow your car down coming into the giveaway sign. like it That's just, exactly just It's right. like a special car.
2: I might just go back to that analogy we were talking about trying to figure things out. And again, this is universal. Mm. It was certainly the case in, in for me uh, growing up. That if, if, if we're talking about the emotional bladder being similar to the physical bladder, if we had to figure out what was in our physical bladder before we let it go, we would never be on the toilet. You know, you're thinking, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit of pressure down there. I should probably use a Wii. Um, but I have to figure it out first. Let me see. I have to figure it out. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> What, what percentage of that is, is sulfur? What percentage of it is nitrogen? What percentage of it is oxygen? How much of that is water? How much is that from the orange juice? That's, how much was that from the two wines that I had last... Just a minute, I've almost got it figured out. By the time it's done, you've got you've a bladder infection. You've, <laughs> your <pants>. yeah. <laughs> it's, you've got your
1: so yeah. When,
2: when you've When you feel the pressure, it's like, now, excuse me, I don't know where it came from. I don't care why it's there. I have to let it go. Mm. And, the, and that's exactly what we want to do with emotional things. Yes, the mind is going to want to have control and figure it out. That's normal. But we just say to the mind, just a minute, let me wee it all out first. And if analysis of it is important, just like with a urine analysis, you don't have to have a bucket <laughs> full. You just need a few drops. <laughs> and that few drops of emotions that are remaining after you've emptied the bucket work just fine. <laughs>
1: It's so true. It's just such an innate part of our understanding of solving problems.
0: Correct, yeah.
1: It's, and where do you think that comes from?
2: Well, it's control primarily. Mm. You know, the mind is designed to analyze and predict. And so what we do as humans, as we experience something, and the mind says, all right, if that was a good experience... What made it good and how do I create more of that?
1: That,
2: If it was a bad experience, if it was fearful or painful or whatever it might have been, what made it bad or fearful or painful and how do I avoid that? So the mind is trying to control and predict. But the thing is our minds are so unbelievably powerful Mm. that they can predict Mm. 77,000 possible outcomes in a split second. Mm. And the minute we resolve any one of those, it just creates 77,000 more possibilities. We have infinite possibilities for predicting what we think we might be able to control. And so, so often, especially when we're talking about emotions, and to a large extent when we're talking about pain as well, it's not about figuring it out. It's not about the mental approach. It's about recognizing what's there, being present to what's there, and then allowing it to move before it's figured out.
1: It's life's work really. Like it, it's like you just cuz you've got a formula 1 car and the capacity of how fast that can go, you're not going to just put that on a normal road. That's exactly. It's like right. our brain, right? So we've got this incredible capacity as humans which is fair enough that a lot of us want to use what is there, you know, it's there and, and it's there. So you kind of think, well, of course, I'm going to use all these different parts of my brain. But I think what we're better starting to understand, and if you're an avid listener of the show, this has been a really big theme over the past kind of few months where it really is becoming the biggest job and the biggest life's work we have is to understand that actually just because we have this capacity doesn't mean it all needs to be used all the time. And that's a bit of a head fuck, to be honest, because it's like, well, I've got this beast, I've got this power, I've got this ability to save myself from this, 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 this and this, but actually it's all creating more pain and more work and more stress for us by utilising parts that we really don't need access to a lot of the time.
2: That's right. It's it's applying the the brilliance of the brain in places that are not necessary. Yeah. It's kind of like if we just to take another allerg- analogy at the other end of the body, you know, we have this fantastically powerful sexual energy down uh-huh. in the pelvis, right? And that energy is so powerful and so nourishing and so beautiful. And if we wanted to, we could like spray that around on everyone. We could have sex <laughs> with everybody. We could use it for everything. We could use sexual energy to wash the car. We could use yeah. sexual sexual energy to greet everyone. But we know that we don't. Yeah. Or if we do, that it's... Inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing that the mental energy that we're spending has
0: fantastic
2: utility. It's wonderful for understanding things. It's wonderful for entertaining. It's wonderful for telling jokes. It's wonderful for learning languages. It's wonderful for being able to look at your end of year uh, mm. at, uh, at the end of the fiscal year and figure out what's the best way to invest your mm. money and so forth. But it's not wonderful. And trying to understand how do I communicate with my partner? Mm. It's not wonderful for saying what's going on in my digestion. Mm. Those things are messages that come from other centers of of energy in the body that are just as strong and much less utilized.
1: Okay, this is very good. So all of the scenarios that I wanted to cover, we've essentially covered in the fact that they would all come back to these same principles. That's,
2: a, that's the simplicity of it. That's, that's
1: right. right. So when I'm talking about relationships where you're not quite sure where you're at, you're stuck in a bad work or job, you are not sure about your friends, your confidence, really all of it can come back to the conversations we've just had
2: that's right if you if you're if you're looking at making a decision so part of that is mental you know some of that is pros and cons Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. so much more of it when it has to do is is it the right job is it the right city to live in is the right person to um go out with get in a relationship uh get married have a baby whatever those choices buy a house with Mm. all those kinds of decisions the mental aspect is one teeny little slice. I mean, I don't know if it's 10% or 15% or 20% mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, of the information you have. The rest of it is, how does that feel in my gut? Mm-hmm. What feels right in my heart? Um, and we have to tune into those other emotional centers, which is impossible to do, If the emotional bladder is full
0: Mm. If
2: the emotional bladder is full Let's think of it It's sitting in the chest and throat So it's cutting off the flow of energy Down through the body All the pressure is going to go to one place The head And so the head is doing all the thinking Mm. Even though it should maybe only be playing 10, 15, Mm. 20% of the decision making role So whenever there's a decision to make Empty that emotional bladder So that you're drawing on Your kind of your gut And your your instincts Mm. And that sense of deep knowing or what your spirit might be saying or um, any of those things that you feel in your bones I mean there's a reason we have language like it's in my gut, I knew it in Mm. my bones Mm
0: -mm -mm. look
2: there after you've emptied the emotional bladder and all those decisions become much much clearer.
1: And your mind will thank you.
2: Oh because it's freed up to do more fun stuff
1: Yeah yeah. it is a really important I suppose understanding that we have that there are other parts of us that we are ignoring and yeah. it's time for everybody to start to gauge a better understanding of how do you utilize our bodies how to mm. understand our energy but it's not just important for us I think it's a responsibility we have for each other yeah. for our kids for our society you know a lot of the world is working from this kind of robot brain place and like you said it's still an incredible part of the picture but there are really big factors that are being ignored that could essentially really heal a lot
2: yeah individually and as communities and as a planet there's no question about it but to do that we have to learn how to listen Mm. we have to listen to ourselves and and it's, it's impossible to listen to the earth it's impossible to listen to your partner it's impossible to listen to the community or the needs of uh, the local aboriginal community or whatever it might be you can't listen to that when your emotional bladder mm. is full and you're looping in your mind so mm. simple simple simple
0: mm.
2: empty the bladder and see how it goes from there
1: Thank you so much, Michael.
2: Oh, it's so fun. I love talking with you. It just
1: zips past. Yeah. And also the conversation is everything that I wanted to actually say and didn't look at my notes once. (laughs) Um, I will put all the information about where you can find Michael's videos and his practice uh, in the show notes, and I will also give you a link back to... Uh, the first episode, we've referenced it a few times, which really focuses on meditation and giving some practical skills of how how to do that, but also the importance of creating that uh, version of space for yourself. Beautiful. Thank you. This
0: has been another Bijou Podcast production.